Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. Amen. I want to talk to you today. We, we, we finished off last week talking about how to access God's grace, and I want to continue that today, accessing God's grace. But I want you to do something for me. I want you to think like a farmer. I, I might have been a week behind because last week I noticed so many people wearing the blue jeans, and uh, I think uh, John David even had his new hat on for Herring Farms, and I thought, Lord, I mean, was I behind on this? But I want you to think like a farmer. How many of you have farmed before? Okay. All right. More than I expected. I'll just be honest with you. Amen. How many still farm? Uh, okay. That makes more sense. Amen. <laughs> I got to thinking about this as we go through the message today. You know, there's different kinds of farms. What I'm going to be talking about mostly is, is crops. Growing, growing vegetables and things of that nature and, and the seed that it requires, but, but it still fits with other kinds of farms. I know that we used to visit, we called her Aunt Mary. I don't, I don't know if she actually was ever an aunt of mine, but Aunt Mary owned a dairy farm. And so I got to go see the dairy farm and I know there, there are horse farms and, you know, that, all kinds of farms that you can do. We're not talking about weed farms. All right. We're going, you'll get that in a minute. Okay. But technically, that's a farm, though. I want you to know. So, And in some states, that's legal. It's not in Georgia. I don't want, you know, let me move on, all right? How about that? <laughs> I want you to think like a farmer, though. And even though I'm trying to be funny, the process is still the same. The process is still the same no matter what you're trying to grow. And so as we're talking about accessing God's grace, I want to I merge these two ideas, that if we'll think like farmers, we will access God's grace. Let me just review with you the access code I shared with you last week. The access code is Romans 5, 1 and 2. And it says in there, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Step one is faith. It says we have access by faith. How do you access God's grace? Faith, first and foremost. How do I get faith? Well, Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we always immediately think of the word of God as the Bible, and that is word of God. But I want you to go further. And the second part of that code in Romans is that it's through whom? Through Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus. So the word of God is actually a person, and it's that relationship. It's not just the text that we read in front of us. There has to be something more to it. There has to be a relationship. Otherwise, the text makes no sense to us. You see, John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.16, just two verses later, says, And of His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. And Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Well, who brought salvation to all people? Jesus. So when we talk about accessing God's grace, it takes faith, but it takes that relationship. It's more than a doctrine. It's a person. I can read about people, but that doesn't mean I really know them or understand them. I mean, you think about celebrities for one, and they get in trouble 
If we really like that celebrity, we are really disappointed and dejected. But the reality is we don't know them. All we know is what we've seen on the screen or what we've read about in the papers. We don't have a relationship with them. Unless we get that relationship with the Father, we will never be able to use that code to unlock the grace of God, meaning we will not understand it. See, God's already given us access to God's grace, to his grace, in full. But if we don't actually access it, we never use it. It never benefits us. We never understand it. Because you see, our faith needs action. Faith needs action. James tells us this in the second chapter, 14 through 17 and verse 26. He says, what use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? In the same way, faith also, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So you can't just go around saying, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. Your actions should back that up. Are you operating in such a way that shows that you have faith in what you say you have faith in? Do you really believe in the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ? If so, then you're telling other people about it because why would you not want them to be saved as well? It makes no sense. Tells me that if you're in that boat, it's head knowledge but not heart knowledge. And you got to get it from your head down into your heart, and that only happens through relationship. I've told you many times, I do some things for Tammy I never thought I'd do because I built relationship, and I love her, and I want to do things for her. I want to make her happy. I want her to enjoy life with me. Why? Because we built relationship. I truly love her. And so I will do for her. The same thing is true with Jesus. Jesus loved us so much, guess what? He put his works behind the faith. He came and did something for us. He came and was an example. He was that final sacrifice. You see, Jesus didn't just say, hey, believe in me and you'll be saved. He said, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to be that final sacrifice. So it's not enough to say that you have faith. In fact, I would go one step further to say if your actions don't back up your words, then you don't really have faith. But if we think like a farmer and we put that action into place, then we begin to understand God's grace just a little bit more. And each time we go to access it, we understand more and more and more. And then we get the message of grace, we apply it to our lives, and then we can begin to teach others about this grace. Because it's by grace that we're saved. By grace. Look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. He said, now I say this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows generously will also reap generously. Each one must do just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace overflow to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That was a lot of information there, a lot of information. I want to remind you what this whole series is about. It's about becoming kingdom stewards. And you see, when we become kingdom stewards, we begin to understand that it's not our stuff, it's God's. It's not our assets, it's God's assets. We're simply here to manage those assets. And so we follow his word where he says, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Finances are a difficult subject for a lot of us because we see in the natural. But if we don't have faith to trust God's word, we will never experience the abundance that he wants to provide to us. Because you see, we get focused on that abundance and we get a little selfish. You ever notice anybody that that is uh, interviewed and, and uh, they're going for a lottery ticket or some kind of contest or whatever it is that gives out a lot of money, and they ask them, well, what will you do with the money if you win it? Oh, I'll give it away. I'll share. I'll give to charities. And you follow up with most of these people, and they didn't give it away at all. They did for themselves. And that's why a lot of people that win the lottery end up right back in the same position they were in. Because you see, at that point, we haven't learned how to manage the finances. Amen. Come on, come help me. I love it. Amen. <laughs> this is Price. If y'all don't know Price, this is Price. He's a uh, child of God and will be a man of God. Amen. We got to teach him. Just like God's teaching us about being a kingdom steward. So I've talked a lot about how it's the whole person. It's not just finances. But guess what? Finances are a huge part of it because that is what trips up a lot of us. If we have extra already, it's easy for us to give. That's not where the faith comes in. The faith comes in when it doesn't look easy or like we don't have it. The other day, the Lord put on my heart to buy a few things for some people. They were, they were asking for some, for some things. And I don't want to say what it is because they'll know who it is, and I don't really want to give it away because I haven't given it to them yet. And by the time I got done putting all the items in my basket, it, it came in about $80. Well, I don't know about you. And I'm working on this, but that was a lot of money. I said, $80, Lord, I was willing to spend 5 or 10 What are you talking about here? This is $80. And then I had a bright idea. Technically, some of this stuff can be used to help the church, so I'll just use the church card, and we'll put it in one of the departments that we put the budget for. And I'm telling you, I heard the Lord crystal clear say, well, you can do that, but the church is going to get the blessing. You won't get the blessing I have set aside for you. All right. And then, and then it was like it came flooding back to me, like, what have you been preaching on, Herman? What have you been preaching on? Are you going to practice what you're preaching? This is an opportunity. God's saying, hey, can I trust you with more? You think $80 is a lot? I'm going to give you $1,000. If I can't trust you, you're going to give that 1000 away. If I can't trust you, you're going to give $80 away. How am I going to trust you with $1,000? You see, this year, God is going to bless you financially. Oh, you're starting to be one of those preachers, Herman. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Because we're praying and asking God, we want to bless the ministries that we support. And my goal is for us to give away more money this year than we gave away last year. Because that will bless these ministries. And we have spent time praying over the ministries that we support. So we know it's good ground. We want to sow into them. And we know by doing this, God is going to continue to take care of us. So there's going to be times God's going to let you prove yourself. 
And he's going to bless you with money. I'm talking money right now, okay? This happens in other parts of our lives and other things we do, and I'll get to that later. But specifically with finances, but it's for the things I'm putting on your heart. It's for the future land or building and building that we're, 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 um, we're building. It's for the missions and the ministries that we support. It's for the guest speakers and the evangelists that God has that he's bringing into this place. So when you get extra, God's saying, hey, can I trust you with this? And you have a choice. It's going to take faith, but you're going to prove that faith by action. Action is actually doing it. I like what a pastor said one time. People talk all about tithes and offerings, and then they act like if they walk by the offering box, that God's just going to reach in and grab what he wants to put it in the box. That'd be great, but that's not how it works. Why? Because we have a part to play. We have our part to play. Did you know grace is built into the seed? So I'm talking about sowing financially right now. There's grace built into that financial seed. Did you know that to grow corn, you got to plant corn seeds? If you plant watermelon seeds and expect to get corn, you're going to be really shocked. You're going to be really shocked. But did you also know that when that corn is ready for harvest, it also brings additional seeds? That one seed grew something that had multiple seeds in it. So as I plant an $80 seed, God is going to bless me with more than that. Now, this is where I think prosperity messages get off track a little bit. Because we tend to go, oh, thank you, Lord, for blessing me. No. Because he can trust you with more. He's going to bless you with more, but it's the same formula. If he blesses you with $80 and you give it away and you're trustworthy, he's going to pop up more seed. But if you waste that seed on yourself and you don't plant it and invest it, it'll be gone before you know it, and then you've got no more seed happening. But if you plant that seed and then you ask God what to do with the other seeds, who to give to, who to bless, he'll take care of you. He will bless you. He will take care of you. There are times that God tells me straight up to spend that money on my family. He loves my family. He wants to bless my family. He wants to do the same for you as well. What we've got to do is shift the mentality where we're thinking in terms of 10% God's, 90% ours. And we've got to start thinking 100% God's. And if he loves that ministry you're blessing and he loves the neighbors down the street, guess what? He loves you just as much. And he will bless you. And maybe God does want you to have a mansion, but I guarantee you if he does, there's a purpose for it. It's not just so you can have 35 rooms and enjoy each one of them by yourself. There's no purpose in that. So again, this is not a message saying that you got to have just a little bit to get by. No, I'm saying you need to submit yourselves to the Lord and have that relationship so that you can understand what God wants you to do with the things he's entrusted you with. Well, all of this is centered around this message of grace. As we begin to understand grace, we begin to understand how to operate on the Lord's behalf. To access God's grace, seeds of grace must be sown. I like how Tony Evans said it. He said, God has placed within grace the seed of grace itself. It's built in. So since grace is built into the seed, the way you gain access to greater grace is through the sowing or the planting of a seed of grace. And then when you get this mindset, thinking like a farmer, now we need to actually put action into our faith. We need to sow and then depend we need to sow the seed and depend on God. See, 
we can till that soil and we can drop that seed in. We can even help with the watering, but none of that will be growing the seed unless God provides, unless God does what he promised he would do. We have to be dependent on God for the rest. One more quote by Tony Evans. Everything that is responsible for this little seed to become all it was created to be is sourced in God. Let me say that again. Everything that is responsible for this little seed to become all it was created to be is sourced in God. You know that while you may be able to till the soil, you can't control. The soil already has the nutrients in it. God made it that way. I believe you can add nutrients to the soil, but even the things used to add nutrients were created by God in some form or fashion. When you get back to it, the basics of whatever you're using, whatever chemical, whatever fertilizer, whatever it is, that was created by God. The nutrients, the water, the sunshine, the DNA of the seed, even the seed itself comes from God. Even the seed itself comes from God. I've told you this story before, but I think it bears repeating. I'm sitting at breakfast one day. The individual I'm with blesses me with $100. I immediately praise God because you know what? I could use $100. And almost just as immediately, God says, I want you to give that $100 away to the waitress. I said, Lord, I need this $100. He said, I want you to give it away. I fought a little harder this day. It's taking a little bit, okay? But when I finally said, yes, Lord. And I blessed that waitress with $100, which you see, even for me at that point in time, I didn't realize what God was training me to do. That $100 was a lot of money. See, God's trying to change my thinking into $100 is not a lot of money. I want to be where God can trust me and bless me with whatever he wants to, whatever he wants to, that I'll be obedient to do what he wants me to do with whatever he blesses me with. And then as I'm walking out of the restaurant, God tells me, do you realize that at the start of this day, you did not have that $100? You didn't go into your bank account, take out $100, and give that $100 to that waitress. What you did was you took the seed I put in your hand and you passed it along to who I wanted it to go to. See, I need to change my mindset. Instead of thinking that everything that comes to me is for me, that everything that comes to me needs to be used and given out how God wants it to be given out. And sometimes that is for me. There are things I pray for, and that need is met exactly like I've been praying, and it's a pretty good sign. That was what God was doing was meeting that need. But we have to change that mindset. Let me get to the grace part of this. I don't think I'm making sense just yet. I'll answer that question for everybody. Is this making sense? No, not yet, Pastor Herman. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there, I promise. Let's go back and look at what 2 Corinthians 9.10 said. We read this a minute ago. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower. Paul told you who supplies the seed to the sower. It's God. We get excited because we think we are the ones creating things. But it all comes from what God created in the beginning. See, in order to access this grace I'm talking about, is you have to place God first. You can't have any pride. It can't be about what I did, and that's what happens to us. See, God's grace is not about look at what I did. God's grace is about look at what God did, and even look at what God did through me. Look at what God let me be a part of. That's God's grace. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 8. What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, 
even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. Everybody say, God was causing the growth. Yeah. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. you got to put in the work. You'll receive a reward for that. But you got to think about the fact that you're just one piece of the giant puzzle. There's no one piece more important than the other. It's not, I ascended to the position of pastor. I am more important than every one of you. That's, that's not the right thinking. That's not grace. That's not God's grace. It's, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. You want me to pastor? I'll pastor. You want me to serve? I'll serve. You want me to evangelize? I'll evangelize. Lord, I will do what you want me to do, Father God. But you got to play your part. You got to play your part. If you don't sow, guess what? Nothing will grow. You can't stand out by the field and say, I can't wait for that corn to grow. Somebody say, How long ago did you plant the seeds? So what are you talking about? I ain't playing anything. I'm just waiting for it. I got faith. I expect it to grow. Faith for it to grow. Did you plant any seeds? No. I, I got news for you. It's probably not going to grow. But God can do anything. I get that. But you're misusing the scriptures. You're misappropriating the scriptures. You're twisting them to make them work the way you want them to work. God said we got to play our part. Yeah, but we can't work for our salvation. That's not what he's talking about. See, that's why salvation is not the last stop. It's the first stop. That's why he said go make disciples, not just get them saved. See, we keep getting excited about salvation. And don't get me wrong, that is extremely important. And every time we are part of a salvation, we should celebrate. We should throw a party. We should, we should just praise God because of that salvation. But we can't stop there. you got to do the work. You know... Being discipled and discipling sometimes are very hard work. There's work to be done. You've got to play your part. But if we sow, God grows. If we sow, then we can trust and we can have that faith that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. You know something I realized talking about not planting seed and expecting something to grow. I have yet to have the bank give me any kind of money, interest or anything, when I didn't have any money in the account. In fact, a few times we fell a little below and they got money from me for that. I was like, I don't even have money for that. They're like, I right, when you get it, when you get it, you can pay us back. Oh, man. But if I don't invest, they're not giving me anything. I have to invest. Well, that takes a mindset shift. We got to get to the point with everything in our lives that we say, okay, Lord, what do I do with this? You may be driving a fantastic car and have had it for a year or two. And maybe you're scared, but you should still be open and listen to the Lord. Maybe He wants you to give that vehicle away. I'll go one further because I know I've got a friend who did this. God may be calling you to the ministry and tell you, you need to sell your house and use the money to fund the ministry. You want to take a step of faith, do that. God may say, hey, look, I need you to leave your job. you got a wife and three kids you're supporting, but I need you to trust me and leave that salary and go into the ministry where there's no position and there's no money available. God may ask you to do that. 
You know, Tammy and I have been blessed with some vehicles over the years. And by the way, that was not a plug for you to bless me with your car. I'm <laughs> we're very blessed. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But we've been blessed with some cars. And we always say, Lord, man, we are so, so grateful and humbled. And Lord, we needed it. We've been praying about it. And we testify about it. And the Lord began to show me the other side of that as well. It took somebody else to be humble and to trust the Lord to bless us with that vehicle. See, we each have to play our part. When, when the young man stood up and testified about having some dark thoughts, you know, it takes believers to come alongside and support and to pray and to trust that what Lord's putting on their heart is accurate and stepping out in faith. It took a lot for him to give that testimony. But he did so because it might bless somebody else. It might help somebody else out. And that's what being a part of God's kingdom, that's what using God's grace is all about. It's trusting God that he knows what he's doing with his stuff. I'll tell it again. One of my favorite stories is actually Dad's story. But Dad likes golf. If you don't know that, Dad likes golf. I enjoy golf as well. I don't know that I enjoy it as much as Dad does, though. And Dad had just bought a brand-new driver. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was the right fit. He was convinced he'd give him 50 more yards on every drive. He'd stay straight and true. He got to hit it for one or two rounds, and the Lord told him to give it away. Daddy said, but Lord, I just got this driver. Didn't you bless me with that driver? And the answer is, no, you were just holding it. I let you use it for a couple rounds, but you were just holding it for somebody else. But may I tell you that in that particular area of golf, my dad will tell you as well, and I've had this experience, he's blessed. He's blessed. He's been given clubs and golf balls and golf shoes. I mean, trust me, it, that one little club... The cost of that was nothing compared to the stuff dad's been blessed with over the years. If you start comparing money, it doesn't even, even come close. But that's because he had to first give. He had to first trust the Lord. And, and he needed to do it in such a way that he didn't expect God to replace that club. That's the other part of this as kingdom stewards we got to get to. We got we to gotta quit thinking in terms of give just to get. Let me go to that scripture everybody's thinking about right now. It's found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Now, before I go to this next point here, I want to remind you that I read you 2 Corinthians 9 that says, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows generously will also reap generously. And I believe that wholeheartedly in the terms of finances. If you're sowing financially uh, little, then you're, you're going to reap little because God can't trust you with more. But if you sow generously, God's going to trust you with more. But there's got to be another side to that. It can't be giving just to get because eventually you will stop trusting God in that area. And you can be pulled away because, you know what, you may, you may experience a bill. Or maybe an accident. I don't know if you guys have ever had an accident or had a child in an accident where it was their fault and the insurance company paid out. I had an insurance policy one time. We actually had $100,000 coverage. You don't have to have that much. And they paid out every penny to the, to the uh, other party. And the other party was still talking about suing us 
because they were talking about how it didn't cover everything that they experienced. And for a moment, I got afraid because I'm thinking, I, I don't know what to do here, Lord. And so in that moment, if my mindset is not correct, then as I get that blessing, I start squirreling it away on the off chance that I might need it to cover this lawsuit. Rather than saying, God, they're coming after your stuff. You got a problem. I need you to solve that. God, I'm going to trust you to intervene. And God did intervene in that situation. And it was awesome. But that's why I'm saying you can't give just to get because there's going to come that one opportunity where you have something and you're not willing to part with it because you feel like you don't have enough to give. This happens when we put our ties at the end of our budget instead of the first of our budget. This happens when we start valuing the stuff in our life more than we should. I'm very excited that the Lord has put on my heart to dress a little nicer. I, I, am, I am loving the clothes. I, I'm loving the shoes and the belt. But I got to be careful because I can easily get moved the other way with that. I mean, God may ask me to give every bit of it away. But I got to be willing. That's part of God being able to trust me with more. So you see, when we get to Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, give and it will be given to you. I've heard so many people preach that in terms of finances. And it sets the tone that all you got to do is give and you're going to get back, get back, get back, get back, get back, get back. And then what does your mindset become? Ooh, I better give this. I need some money. Let me give 50. I hopefully get 100 back. What? That's not what he's talking about. In fact, this set of scriptures doesn't even address finances. It does go along with that concept, and that's why I never say anybody's wrong for using it. Because again, in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, I told you that God said that. He said specifically, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. So it does go along with that. But what happens is we get tunnel visioned. And we don't see exactly what all God's saying through those scriptures because what he's really laying out is he's saying, hey, you want to be a kingdom steward. You need to be a kingdom steward, which incorporates way more than just money. And the only way you're going to do that is to access my grace and understand my grace. So let's back up in the scriptures just a little bit here. I got three more small sections of scripture, and I'll wrap this up. Because I know you're sitting there thinking... I. I don't see how grace is connected with all this, but I needed to lay out the case to start with. And we're not done with this topic. We're not done with this subject, but I needed to lay out the case that first you got to plant the seeds. Some of us aren't even planting the seeds. You can't get to the grace part until you start planting the seeds, until you start thinking like a farmer, until you sow. Then the second part of that, depending on God, that's the part where his grace enters in. When we become dependent upon him. So as we back up in these scriptures in Luke chapter 6, Let's read verses 27 through 31. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Have you made it past that part yet? What do I mean love my enemies? You know the only way that you can love your enemies is with the grace of God? That's it. There is no other way. I've told you this many times. I'll tell you again. I love a good revenge movie especially when it's in a subject I believe in and I get tired of the bad guys. And since I took over as pastor, God has ruined those for me because I've realized that's not the right way to think about stuff. 
And I start to watch them. I say, I can't finish it, Tammy. It's just this bad. It's bad. Yes, they're doing evil and bad. And I want them to get beat up and blown up and shot and all this stuff. And I even tried to tell myself it's fictional. It's fictional. It's nice made up. God said, yeah, but it's based on somebody. It's based on somebody's life. That stuff's really happening. I said, man, Lord. I said, Lord, how do I have compassion on the people that are doing evil things? You see, that's when God reminds me that he didn't just die for what we call the good people. In fact, the way we define good is not the way God defines good. So what's bad in our mind may or may not be bad in God's eyes. And what I'm trying to get to is I know that there's some things that are true evil. There's no question about it. But guess what? Jesus died for them as well. Because you see, what's going on is not the flesh. It's the spirit. They're being lied to. They're, they're believing in the spirit. And guess what? If and when they submit to the Lord and give their life to the Lord, God will remove that spirit. He'll make them a new creation, and that old self is gone. My grandfather would tell me stories that I still don't believe to this day about who he was before he, he knew Jesus. They're bad. We were at a funeral yesterday, and the, the gentleman who died um, had given his life to Jesus. There was no doubt about it. But his sister got up and told a story about how when they were kids, she, she liked his blue jeans better and they fit better. So when, when, when he would leave to go to school, she'd sneak in there and get his blue jeans and put them on and wear them. Well, her brother got wise to this, but instead of confronting her and talking to her about it, he set a trap for her. Now, he, he, he had a room in the basement, so she went down to the basement to go get the jeans one morning, and as she walked in, she literally heard that door shut. And she went to open that door, and he had electrified the door handle. And when she touched it, it zapped her real quick. Oh, my gosh. And I thought to myself, look, my brothers and I fought. We got mad at each other. I never thought about electrocuting one of them. And I'm told that story's tame compared to some of the things he did. But when Jesus saved him, he didn't hold any of that against him. He was a new creation. Jesus died for him just like he did for me. Jesus saved him just like he saved me. Jesus gave him grace just like he gives me grace. So when we think about these things, love your enemies. You may have to pray, God, you're going to have to teach me how to do that. But if you will, guess what he'll do? He'll show you. He'll begin to show you. He'll begin to give you compassion. And then you'll be like, well, I don't know how I ever love this person, but I do. I do, Lord. I know how you loved them because of God, because of God's grace. That verse continues, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. This is getting worse. I mean, this is getting more difficult here. Pray for those who are abusive to you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. I don't know about you, but that's not really where my thought process goes. Somebody smack me on the cheek. It's not, man, I appreciate that. We do this side too, man. It's a little, even it out for me. That's not really where my head goes. I'm not a fighter, but I got to believe I'm going to swing in that instance, you know. I mean, to tell you, that's uh And whoever takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic from him either. <laughs> Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. You know why this scripture exists? To help us understand what it means to be a kingdom steward. To help us understand what God's grace is. Because without God's grace, you can't do any of this. 
You know why he says, whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back? Because it's not yours anyway. I don't know if I told this last week, but it bears repeating. We had the church van parked out back. Sherwin-Williams had their vans outside. And in the same weekend, they stole our catalytic converter and theirs. And we replaced it. And the manager next door told me this wasn't the first time at a store he'd been at where they did that. He said, matter of fact, they're probably going to hit us again in 30 days. I started praying, Lord, please don't let them take that catalytic converter again from us. Lord, just protect our van in the name of Jesus. 30 days later, they hit again. But they didn't mess with our van. They did mess with their van again and took their catalytic converter again. And I was talking to, to the gentleman, and he told me, and I said, oh, my gosh, I better go check. I go in the back, crank up the van, no problem. Our catalytic converter is still good. I came back, I said, man, the prayers work. They didn't mess with ours. I, I tell you what, God is so good. Man, he looked me dead in the face, no smile, no amen, no nothing. He said, you prayed for yours, but you didn't pray for mine. He said, what good are you, pastor? He said, how about pray for mine next time too? Now, he smiled, but I thought, you know, that is true, though. I did think about just what was mine. And even that story is a good indication that I wasn't thinking globally. God does, though. And I believe if I'd included his van in the prayer, they wouldn't have hit his van either. I really do. Mm. People are God's greatest asset. See, what God wants you to do is to hand them over to him and let him discipline them. Let him teach them. Let him guide them. For us to act like we understand because guess what? God has always worked with us, forgiven us, taught us, despite all of our things that we do against him. But you can't do that without his grace. Two more. Do I have time here? Are you still awake with me? I know it's getting a little warmer. I know I'm running a little bit late today. But I think this is important, so if you'll bear with me. People are God's greatest treasure. The next set of scriptures talks about our motivation. We've been talking about that a lot. What's your motivation? Because see, in verses 32 through 34, it says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? It's easy to love people that love you. Then it goes on to say, for even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. So we talked about how do we love people the way God loves them. And the only way we can do that is God's grace. It's easy to do it when people are cooperative. It's easy to do it when people love you already. But it's difficult when it's the opposite and they don't understand. But we got to trust the Lord in what we're doing. And then right before Luke 6, 38, you get verses 35, 36, and 37. It says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Now that part was a little confusing to me because the term lend is typically associated with a loan, which you have to pay back. What God's saying is, hey, it's not your money anyway. It's not your stuff, it's mine. Trust me. Trust me in this. Let me pause for just a minute. Jackie, do we need to... Is she okay? Okay. Let's just take a minute. Let's just... How about just stretch forth your hand back there? Let's pray for Miss Arlene. 
Father God, we lift up Miss Arlene to you right now. She's struggling, Father. We ask you just to come in there to do a work. We ask for peace to prevail right now. We ask you just to heal her. Lord God, whatever is affecting her body, we ask you to just take it away and to and to give her uh, whatever she needs, Father God, that she would be uh, totally restored, Father God. Father, just heal her right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. It says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil people. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. And do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. Notice he did talk about lending in there, so it does have something to do with money. But these scriptures really do put forth the point I'm trying to make and have been trying to make for weeks now. Being a kingdom steward is not just about the finances. It's not just about the money. It's about your whole person. If you're able to give money away just as soon as God tells you to, but you can't love your enemies, you're still not being a kingdom steward. If you can give anything away that you have and you trust the Lord to bless you, but you are not turning the other cheek, if you're not blessing those that curse you, if you're not praying for those who are abusive to you, those are difficult things then guess what? You're not the kingdom steward that God knows you can be. But the only way that you're going to be able to do these things is through God's grace. Stand to your feet. I'm going to bring this to a close. I appreciate your time and listening. I think this is such an important subject. I want to remind you that we want to access God's grace through faith and relationship but we need to combine that by thinking like a farmer. Whatever you plant is what you're going to get back. If you plant an apple seed, you should expect an apple tree to grow that gives you apples. If you plant a grace seed, a peace seed, a mercy seed, then you should expect those trees to grow and you should expect grace, mercy, and peace. I didn't put this in here, but I want to throw this out as the Lord puts it on my heart. If you sow evil, and unforgiveness and hate, then you're going to reap evil, unforgiveness, and hate. Forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. It's for you so you don't hold those grudges so that hate doesn't eat into you and tear you up from the inside. If you sow a blessing seed, guess what you should expect? A blessing. Let me throw this last thought out at you. Don't wait until you have a need. If a need pops up and then you're, then you're planting the seed, it takes time for that seed to grow. That's why our mentality has to be as a kingdom steward and act when God moves on us, whether we understand why he's telling us to do that or not. Trust and depend on God. You do your part, and I promise you, he will do his. Does this make sense to you today? I hope so. I pray that it does. I want to encourage you today that um, God wants to tell you about his grace. He wants you to know about his grace because he wants you to extend that grace to everybody you come in contact with. He wants you to be a reflection of him. And it takes grace to do that. We're living in a world that is overrunning with evil. And the enemy is whispering more and more and more in people's ears. And we're seeing uh, more and more evil run amok in our society. And the only way we overcome is by showing grace, more specifically God's grace, and allowing him to do what he needs to do. Amen. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you so much for your grace. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you that you love us even when we were unlovable. We, you, you, you make us worthy when we're not worthy, Lord God. Father, you came and died for us because you knew the potential inside of us, Father. So, Lord, may we reach that potential. May we become the kingdom stewards that you know we can be, Father God. May we understand your grace. May we understand how to access it. May we understand how to implement it in our lives and others' lives, Father. Lord, I pray right now that we would put action behind the faith, Father God, that we'd build that relationship with you and we would trust and depend on you for each and everything, Lord God. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.